Today we're going to talk a little bit about this idea of his grace, but especially like we just sang, this idea that says, you know what, I'm breathless. When you're breathless, you're empty. And then if you're breathless before him, he fills you up with the breath of life. He pours into you his love, and that fills you up. The problem that we have in our life is we don't really ever come to him empty. We don't really ever give him any room to operate. The message today is about the miracle of the margin. And there is miracle. There's miracle in this, this, this mythical place. If people are talking about it now, margin's a big word. If you follow blogs or listen to anybody talking about different things about life, pe- people are trying to find margin in their life because it's gotten so out of control, they can't keep up. You know, you're doing more today than you probably ever thought was possible. With the advent of technology and with the advent of DVR, you can watch more TV than you've ever watched before because you cut out all those commercials. So that, that's a 20-minute show that used to be 30 minutes. So really, if you go for an hour, you can watch a bunch of shows where you could only watch two. And so DVR has helped us out. I don't know. In our life, it's really probably ruined us because that, that was the commercials were the times that we really got things taken care of and done. That was our space. That was our margin in our world. I want to encourage you, create margin create margin. The world says that you need to balance all of your things and maybe you need to cheat at work a little bit to have a little bit more time at home or maybe you need to be able to work a little bit. You know, it's, it's not about that. The margin that I'm talking about is giving God an opportunity and a space in your life to operate. He's a gentleman and he's not a pusher. He's not a forcer. He's a filler. But for us in our lives, we have to learn to create that space for him to fill. We get it at salvation. We get it in the beginning because we realize that we're coming to him as an empty vessel with nothing. Lord, I have nothing to offer you, but I'm gonna give you my life. Come and fill me today and change my life. We exchange who we were, all of our junk, all of our sin for him and all that he is. But what we do when we make that exchange is we provide him room and space to come in and make a difference. In Philippians chapter 3, this is our scripture today. It's verse 13, and it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. If you'll make room for him in your life, if you'll let go and grab hold of him, He'll fill your life. The problem is many times we want to grab hold of him, but we still want to have hold of the rest. And when we come to him, we come to him burdened, and many times it says in the word heavy laden. And he says if you come to me that way, he'll give you rest. The idea is that you get rid of your burden and your load. Make space, and he gives you rest. Not I come to you with a burden and a load. Give me your rest and then try to go out the door having rest and the burden. You 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 can't have both. His rest does not reside with your burden. They can't work. You have to give up that burden. You have to give up that care, like it says in 1 Peter chapter 5, that we're supposed to cast all of our cares on him because he first cared for us. 
I had a bit of a revelation in that. We've been saying that for years. That's, that scripture's true, that we need to cast our cares on him. But why? I mean, it says because he loves us and he first cares for us, we kind of have an understanding that says he wants to take care of that for us. See, that's our, that's our, that's our thought. He's going to take care of all these things around us. We come to God and we say, I'm going to cast this care on you so that you can take care of everything around me. But really what happens in our life, when we cast, truly cast that care on him, it provides room in our life for him to do a work in us. It, it provides space for his grace. Right? Hebrews 4.16. We said it just a few minutes ago. That we can come boldly to the throne room of grace in our time of need. In Matthew, Jesus said, hey, take my yoke and my burden for its light. My yoke is easy, he said, and my burden is light. What we do is we come to him many times with a yoke and a burden, and maybe it weighs 100 pounds. And we look at God and we say, can you give me your yoke? Give me your burden. I know it's easy. I know it's light. So it's 10 pounds. It doesn't cancel out the 100 you have. If you don't get rid of the 100 you have, you got more. You're walking around with 110. See, now, now you, you, but if you give him the 100, you only have the 10-pound load. And the 10-pound load is easy and light. The enemy keeps us in this place living on the edge. I don't know where you are in your life, but many times we hear from people. They don't say, you know what? I have so much excess in my life. I got more time than I know what to do with. I got more money than I know what to do with. You know what? I have so many friends and such joy, I just don't know what I'm going to do. I just sit around and laugh all day long. That's not what we hear. <laughs> what you hear is, I don't know if I can make it another moment. I, I never seem to have enough. I, I, I don't, if I only had two more hours in the day. Well, I can promise you one thing. God's probably not going to give you two more hours in your day. But what he will do is he'll share with you and he'll speak to you ways in which in your life you can create those two hours in your day. Space, margin. And then what does he do when that's created in your life? He fills it with his grace. I can't do it. I don't know what to do. Yep, but if you ask him, and if you really ask and give the care and not bring it back, if you really take his yoke and burden and give him yours, then you do walk away different than when you came in. Better, because his grace is operating in your life. God is a multiplier, but the enemy, the enemy is the one who cuts down. God multiplies, but the enemy decreases. And in our life, our time seems to have decreased. And I'm not saying that the enemy's working against you in your time or anything else, but I will tell you this. He's trying to tie you up in things so that you don't have time for God. He's trying to tie you up in good causes so you don't have time for God causes. He's trying to get you involved in other things and situations that maybe you're not supposed to be a part of so that you won't be a part of the situations and things you're supposed to be with. In John 10.10 10, it says, that the thief comes to do what? Kill, steal, and to destroy. Those are all, they cut down. Those are all decreasers. Steal, kill, and to destroy. But it goes on, Jesus said, and, but I came to give you what? Life 
and life more abundantly multiplier. That God is a multiplier of good and the enemy is a decreaser in your life. We don't see it that way many times with our money or with our time or with our energy. We think if we, 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 you know, oh God, you want me to go to a focus group, a small group at church, I, I just don't think I have time. But if he's leading you that way, you need to make time. You need to make space. Why? Because he wants to pour his grace into your life. He wants to grow you. Many times we're asking God for something in our life, yet carrying around a bunch of baggage we're not supposed to carry. That's the trying to grab a hold of him while we're holding on to this other. We don't want to let go. I really like that. I don't want to let go. But he'll never multiply in your life if you don't learn to first let go of your life. You have to give him space, just like salvation. You have to come to him and say, I'm open before you. I put my will down, and I pick up yours. I lay my cross down, and I pick up your cross. I get rid of me, and I want more of you. It's making space. And then when you make that space, he fills that space with his grace. He pours in his love. He pours in his life. Think about the two guys or three guys in the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 5. The first guy, he got his talents, and he went out and did what? He used them. It said he traded with them, and he used those talents that he was given. What does that do? That creates space and margin in his life for the master to come back and bless him. Second guy did the same thing. He gave him a few talents, and he went out and used those and traded those and did whatever he did with them, but it gave space for the master to come back and to bless him. But the third servant, he was given one talent, and he held on to it. He was scared. He didn't know what the master would do. He thought he was harsh, and he would punish him if he lost what he had, so he kept hold of it. And then when the master came back, there was no space for blessing. There was no, no margin for grace. The first two guys got the, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. That guy got, you stink. Go hang out with the people who are gnashing their teeth. But I'll use it now. <sighs> Too late. Many times, we don't make margin in our life because we don't think we, we have the time. There are a lot of people who have come and said, I, I really need you to help us. We really want to work on our marriage. Okay, It's in shambles. It's falling apart. And then when you sit down and talk to them, you realize that, that there was a need for maintenance or margin or space in that place a long time ago. But neither one of them, maybe, or one of them didn't feel like they had the energy or the time or the effort. They ignored that to do something else. But when push comes to shove and things are about to split, all of a sudden now, we have this new creative opportunity to make time. Don't wait until the world's crumbling around you to give God space to pour in his grace. If you're in need, go to him. If you have a weakness in your life, Come to him because his grace is made perfect or strengthened in your weakness. We can't hang out on the edge waiting for it to crumble on us before we run back to God. The world today, we all, we all live out here on this razor's edge, man. If one thing goes wrong, we're done. If one piece crumbles or one little card falls, the whole thing's going to cave in whether that's relationally or whether that's financially in your life or whether that's with your job or, or wherever you find yourself, too many times we, we, we find ourselves way out here on the edge, barely making it and barely getting by. 
That's not God's best. It actually is, 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 a, is a stress producer in your life. And, and you, you, you get to the point where you're so frazzled and you just, all of a sudden you just freak out. I just need a break. I just need some breathing room. I can't take it anymore. It's not that you need breathing room. You just need to give God room. He knows what's going on. He knows your situations. He knows your circumstances. In the beginning of time, if you go back to Genesis anyway, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, God is a filler, not a forcer. He's not going to push this on you. He's not going to push you into a place where you have to give up. He's just asking you to give up. He's not a forcer. He's not going around knocking people down in the streets. Pow, you're saved. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Pow, there go your dumb thoughts. Here's some good ones. He doesn't do that. Right? I mean, oh, I got all these problems. He, pow, oh, I don't have them anymore. <laughs> Woo. That, doesn't work that way. Too bad. Because we're much better slapping us upside the head than we are talking to us quiet in our heart. <laughs> we, we understand that more. It says in the beginning that the earth was without form and was void. That there was just darkness, there was nothingness. But God spoke, let there be light, and there was light. And then he filled that place with life. He took something that wasn't, and he filled it with something. He's a filler. Adam. He created Adam out of the dust of the ground, and he was empty. But what did God do with Adam? He blew the breath of life. He filled him with the breath of life. He's a filler, not a forcer. He's not going to ramrod the truth down your throat. He's not going to ramrod decisions that you have to make. He's not going to hassle you and hound you till you can't take it anymore. He's calm. He's gentle. He's a gentleman. He leads and guides. He doesn't push you down the road. And in our life, we have to realize that and we have to understand that because he is looking to pour into us. But he's not going to steal the space from us to pour into. We have to give him the space. The tabernacle, temples, altars, as you read through the Old Testament, those were all places where God's spirit was poured into, was filled, a place for him to dwell, a place for him to come. Well, we are all the temple of the Holy Spirit if we're alive under Christ. And he wants to fill you. But you have to open the doors to the temple. If you look in 2 Chronicles, it's in chapter 6 and 7, but the part I want to read is just the very end of chapter 6 and the very first part of 7. It's Solomon, and he's getting ready to dedicate the temple. God is a multiplier. He will blow your socks off if you'll give him space. His grace is what you need to make it today and tomorrow. His grace is what you need to make the right decisions, to act the right way, to stop doing the bad stuff, and to change. And he will pour his grace into a space that you give him, but if you don't give him any space, he can't pour in his grace. But it says, come to the bully. Yeah, yeah, but what it assumes is you're going to give him room to work, not hold on to who you were. Well, he's the one who changes me. Yes, but you've got to open the door. And in this case, the temple was finished, and Solomon was praying. And in verse 40 of chapter 6, he says, Now, my God, I pray, let your eyes be open and let your ears be attentive to the prayer made in this place. Now, therefore, in verse 41, arise, O God, to your resting place. You and the ark of your strength, let your priests, O Lord God, 
Be clothed with salvation and let your saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, do not turn away from the face of your anointed. And at the end of that chapter, he says, remember the mercies of your servant David. And in, in, in chapter 7, the first verse, it says, when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings. Consumed the offerings and the sacrifices. And it says, the glory of the Lord filled the temple. If you give him space, dedicate that space, that margin to him, he'll fill that place. And it says, and the priests could not even enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Multiply. More than enough. It was so full, they couldn't even go in. Why? Because they'd opened up space and said, this is your house. Fill it. In your schedule, open it up before God and say, this is your schedule. Help me fill it. Help me organize my life so that I can have margin for your grace. That's, that's not a bad prayer. I, I, I was amazed one time years ago. I didn't think I had any time. You know when you pray and you ask God stuff that you really don't want the answer to? And then he answers you. And one time I prayed, I, want, I don't want to say bad stuff, so, so remind me when I'm like David, put a guard on my mouth. He did. So as I'm about to say something stupid, he says, you want to say that? I'm in mid-sentence. What am I going to do? In this case, I said, God, I, I, I need you to, I, need you, I don't have any time. I need you to help me. No margin. I, I'm like 24 hours a day, man. I, just, I, I, just, I have no time. He said, you got plenty of time. I said, no, I don't have any time. He says, you waste time. No. Not me. I don't waste time, man. I'm a busy guy. I get stuff done. I was teaching at the time at Harrison. And he said, no, you waste time. I said, oh, well, you're going to have to show me. Because I'm going to open the door. You, I'll sh- you show me where, I me where I'm wasting time. Don't do that unless you want to hear where you're wasting time. Because it wasn't like the next hour, the next class period, I got done doing whatever I was doing, and I came back, sat at my desk, the bell rang, the kids were coming in, and he said, 20 minutes. And I said, what? What are you talking about? You just wasted 20 minutes. Huh? How'd I do that? Well, you went here and here and here. With the Internet, you waste half your day anyway. Facebook. Kitty cats and dogs all over Facebook. I, that shut down my Facebook time real quick. I, nope, kitty cat, kitty cat, kitty cat, kitty cat, dog. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> so, but anyway, we waste time. God cares about that. Because in this life, what is the one thing that you and I have that's exactly the same that God has to use us in this medium? The medium is time. And what is one of our biggest complaints to God? I don't have time. I bet you do. The disciples in Acts chapter 2. Jesus had told them. I liked the these, these things that when he fills, he follows his, he follows his word. He tells you, and then he, then he fills it if you give him the space. And in Acts, he told them, you hang out here in this, you, in this place, 
and I'm going to send the helper. Now, they don't have any idea what this helper is, other than the fact that Jesus has told him, this is going to be the Holy Spirit coming to help you, to, to speak to you the things and bring to your remembrance the things that I have said, to help convict man of sin, to speak to you and show you things to come, to talk to you from me to you. I mean, he's told them about that kind of stuff, but they don't know. Is this guy wearing jeans, overalls? What is he, a farmer? I don't, who, who's the Holy Ghost? I mean, they don't, they don't really have, they haven't seen him before. So they're all in this room. Now, I am telling you, if we were all in that room, we'd be having some serious discussions. What do you think? When's he going to come? I don't know, Thursday. I think he's going to come at 9 o'clock. I think he's a morning person. No, he's a night person. He's going to come at 9, 12 o'clock. Don't be late. Oh, remember the virgins with the lights. We've got to have our lights. Get our oil. Make sure you got your, you got your oil because he's going to come. We're not going to be ready. And see, so immediately we try to, we got it. we're figuring it all out. We're working it up, man. We're trying to do all that. That's not what they did. It said they were all in that room in one accord. Not anxious or stressful, worried about when, where, what, how. It says they were actually going about their business. And in one of the parts of that scripture, it says that they were casting lots to find out who was going to be the guy who took Judas's place. So they had a full deal. So they were just about their business, all in one accord, in agreement, just going about their day. And it said, suddenly, the windows blew open and God filled the room. Filled. They gave him space. It says they were in one accord, unity. They weren't, they weren't at odds with each other. They weren't fighting. You want to know why God won't answer your prayer? Because you're fighting with your wife. Well, she's wrong. Well, okay, then your prayer won't get answered. That's all right, whatever. Strife is a killer of grace. I mean, it's a, it's a killer of God's presence. I mean, strife, strife's, no, strife's no good. But it says they were in one accord. They were in unity. And God filled the place. And then not only did he fill the place, he filled each one of them with the Holy Spirit. He's a filler. Solomon, Adam, the earth, the disciples, that's what he does. But you have to be willing to give him the space. Don't try to outsmart God. He knows what's in your back pocket that you're not given. Right? He knows that thing that you're holding on to. On a Wednesday night a couple weeks ago, I talked about Ananias and Sapphira, and they came before Peter and they said, here's the money that we got from selling our land. And he said, is that all? And they said, yep. Boom. Ananias fell down dead because he lied. God knows. And I'm not saying give me all your money. <laughs> God's going to kill you all. No, I'm not saying that. I just, he, he lied to the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't about, about giving it all or not giving it all. He had pledged to give it all. I mean, this is what I am going to do this. And then didn't do that. It's fire the same thing. She came in. They said that she didn't know. They just drug her husband out and buried him. And they ask her, is this, is this true? Is this all the money? Sure it is. Poof, off she goes too. They drag her back out. She must not have seen the heel prints on the way out of the thing in the dirt. Oh, what's that big old dirt pile over there? I don't know. Oh, I, I get it. I'm telling you, give God room. Heed his voice. In Elizabeth and I's life, we, we were in a place like this where we were, we were desperate. We really needed God to move. Our world was seemingly out of control. Everywhere we looked, we owed somebody money. Everywhere we looked, we were at odds with something. Everywhere we looked, it wasn't going right. We were trying to do what God wanted us to do, but not fully. Not wholly. Like entirely. I, I, was, I was coaching golf at the time, and I was coaching boys golf and girls golf. And God said, you need to, you need to stop coaching boys golf. The heck I am. I, I will give up the girls yesterday. 
okay, in a heartbeat. The boys are so much more fun. They're so much better golfers. You don't have to say, other end of the club, honey. I mean, you don't have to, I mean, it's not, you don't have to do that. You get to go play with them all the time. I mean, it's a blast. And I was like, come on, God. I mean, I'm not Ananias, but I, I'm, I'm close because he's telling me and I'm holding this house, I'm holding it hostage. I don't want to do that. So I'll work harder. I'll try harder at church. I'll pray more. I'll read more. You can pray more, read more, sing more, jump up and down more. You can fast for 42 days. You're just going to die. <laughs> Until you let go of this thing and grab hold of what he has. Until you give him space, his grace isn't going to come. We were, we were, man, we were here. We were doing things. It was, it was in 99. It was the, the, the spring and summer of 99 when God told me to do that. And we were here. I was preaching some and teaching in VBI and doing things. And, but, man, I, I, just, I just didn't want to give it up. I really liked it. God, there's got to be another way. So, so I tried. You know, there's, 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 there's a letting go here. There's a, there's a cost to making space. She was going through some things, kind of the same situation in her world on the other side. Wasn't, she wasn't doing golf or anything, but it was a different thing with a job and some stuff. And she was hunting and pecking, trying to find a way in, and, and things weren't working. And I mean, I'm telling you, it was, it, it was, it was dry. It was dusty. We were at odds with each other. I mean, things just weren't like gelling. All the while, we're saying, God, we love you. Help us. Help us. God, we love you. Save us. Save us. Get your poop in a group. Well, I don't want to do that, but go ahead and save me anyway. We'll quit doing golf. I don't want to do that. Give me something else. See, that's the way, that's the way we operate. We don't, want to, we don't want to make space, but we want God to operate in space. We want him to operate in our space the way we want him to operate. And I'm telling you, his grace fills the space that you give to him. And so I finally, you know, we'd, we'd sung and prayed and said the right words, and we were people of faith, so we, we confessed it and all those kind of things, and we're still just going farther and farther and farther down the tubes. Finally decided, you know what? I got an idea. I think we'll quit, quit boys golf. <laughs> Epiphany, you know, a year later, and... Thousands of dollars in debt and relationships messed up and all kinds. Hey, I got an idea. I think I might change. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go tell him I'm not going to play golf anymore. And God said, oh, that's brilliant. Where'd you get that, pal? Great idea. So I go, I quit. She gets her stuff fixed together, and I am not kidding you. Like two days, our life was turned upside down. Space. I mean, we got our stuff together. We got in alignment. We got in agreement. We did the right things in our life. And we gave God the space he was asking or the, the place he wanted to be. And I am telling you what, he poured his grace into our life and did things that we were trying to do for a year. In two days. She wanted to teach so bad she could taste it. She'd already quit two other little jobs and was fighting and huffing and puffing. And we knew people and I was trying to pull strings and open doors. You can kick on a door all day long. And if you haven't given God the space, he is not going to open that door. He will open doors that no man can open. He'll also shut that door on you, then you can't open it. Just leaning against it. As you pound on it, he's going, hey, hey, quit golf. Hey, quit golf. All you get is a headache. But then when you quit golf, you run right through the door. Wah! You fall right in. It was that, man, I'm not kidding you. Two days later, they called and said, do you want to come interview for this job? And it was like, miracle in the margin. You give God that space and he'll fill it. 
That's just the way that it worked. We want God to work out here. And everybody else, in, in our situations, we want God to fix our boss. We want God to fix our money. We want God to fix our, all our stuff. We want God to fix our kids. We want God to fix... But what God wants to do is he wants to work in you. We want him to work in all this out here. Come on, God, help me out. He said, I want to do a work in you. No, 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 no. Help me out. You know, you're not hearing me. Stop doing this. Oh, you're not hearing me right. I, I want you to fix this other thing over here. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So give him some opportunity. See, in our life, we come to him, and the only way we can come to him is because he's already filled the space between God and man. The cross. The cross became the bridge between man and God. There was space, and there was margin. And what did we need? Grace. And how are you saved? By grace through faith. Jesus, dying on the cross, took those two things and connected them. He took that space, that chasm that was there because man had sinned, and he covered it. He made a way from us to him. Allow him in your life to fill the space. Open it up. Abraham was... was You're going to be the father of many nations, man. I got plans for you. I'm going to do stuff in your life. You've heard that. In your life. You've heard God say that. I mean, you know that God's pulling on your heart or tugging on your heart. And part of my problem with this golf thing and this life thing was I was starting to do the life thing. I was preaching here sometimes. I was teaching in VBA. I was starting to do what God had called me to do. But if you want to keep going in that direction, you have to, you have, you got to let go of those things. Forget those things that are behind and grab hold of those things which are ahead. And God told Abram, get up and get out of here. Get your wife, get Lot, get up and get out of here. Space. Do you think he could have become the father of many nations, the father of faith, had he said, you know what? I don't think so. That doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I should probably stay here. You know, my name's Abram. I don't have any kids. You know I mean? I, if you could just, like, give me one, just give me one. And if you give me one, th then, I'll, then I'll know it's you and I'll go. God said, there you go said, uh, Abram, you need to get up, get out of here, and go. Go to a place that I will tell you space. And then what did God do in that space? He poured out his grace. He poured out his love. He poured out his life, his faithfulness. And Abraham became not just the father of one, but he became the father of many. And he became the father of faith. And in us, all of these years later, we are blessed because of the seed of Abraham. Give God space in your life. He tells us in Matthew and Luke, seek first the kingdom of God 
In Matthew, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I'm always like, yeah, you know, that's what I, what I do. Why? Because seeking first the kingdom of God creates space. And if you read in Luke, it actually goes on right past that. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. It says, and all of these things will be added to you. Multiply. Seek first the kingdom of God, space. And all of these things will be added to you. Multiply. Life and life more abundantly. He says, do you not know? Do you not think that I I don't know you need all this stuff? What you need is margin, space, faith. Open it up, and I'll fill it. Give, and it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. A lot of the time, I just thought that I took money out of my pocket, I put it over here, then I went outside with a basket. And men give to me, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. But it doesn't say, he said, what if you just took a whole scoop out of what you had, planted that? What's left in the bucket? Space. Space for what? Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Multiplied. But it takes letting go takes getting rid of that stuff and saying, okay, I want to make some space. I'm tired of being crazy. I'm tired of being worn out. I'm tired of being poor. I'm going to preach a message here in a couple months, getting off the crazy train. I'm going to, it's going to be three or four parts. You're going to love that you got to come because you're all crazy. You're just not telling anybody. We can just cover up crazy. I've seen you in traffic. I actually had somebody tell me, I can't put one of those victory stickers on my car because I drive, people would know I go to church there. And I don't trust myself. Really? Let's stand up, I want to pray for you and share this last part with you. I don't know. I don't know what you face. I don't know what what you're going through. I don't know the stuff that you're up against. But I do know this. God's word is true. If you will let go, Forget about that former, that past, that stuff, that thing, and grab hold of him. Make that space. I know he'll fill it with grace. And the example that he gave me, we all know, it's the lady with the issue of blood. That she was a lady, and she's much like us. I think sometimes we don't, we don't really, we don't, we don't look at ourselves and think we're like her. Because, boy, she had some faith, right? She pushed through the crowd. She grabbed hold of Jesus. and I mean, that was a big deal. We don't always see. But we're like her on the Look, she tried everything she knew first. Man, it's my golf situation. Just like, oh. She, tried, she spent all of her money, all of the wisdom, all of her time. This has been 12 years. She'd given everything she had. She had tried everything that everybody told her. She had gone through it. And at the last moment, she said, you know what? If I get a hold of that guy's garment, space. If I could just grab a hold of it for a second, I know. His. And what did Jesus say? When she grabbed hold of that thing, he said, stop. Virtue has flown out of me. Well, if it flew out of, if it, if it went out of him, where did it go? It filled her. Filler. Filler. And from that moment, it said she was healed. All those years and all those things she tried and all that money spent. In one instance, one moment with Jesus, 
and getting the revelation to grab hold of him, create that space, and he filled her life and healed her. That quick. Today, he wants to do that in your life. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and his gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.